I think I first got introduced to music just was I didn't not not a lot of music was played around my house. Um, I know my parents were kind of into uh, uh, show tunes. We had a stereo and they would play like they had like a little, little collection of vinyl that was like uh, uh, you know like. Uh, uh, South Pacific and those kind of things, and so I never really heard music like from the, like in the family. But I do remember going to the uh, you know like uh, family dinners, and on the Portuguese side of my family, my my uncle had a homemade guitar that I know is like um, I know there's a, a name for it, but I can't remember it, but it looks like a ukulele, and he would sing Portuguese uh, folk songs on it. You know, we have a few. And he would pull up, reach behind the, the couch and, and pull out this little homemade thing. But I also remember very early on, I uh, have a, and this part isn't even in the book, but um, I used to call it a Hig guitar. I don't know why, I heard it that way. So just imagine guitar with an H in front of it. And um, that's what I used to pronounce it, like when I was like seven or eight years, six years old. I, I just remembered that. Um, so I, I was aware of that, you know, but as I got a little bit older, they, my parents tried to get me piano lessons and I played clarinet or whatever, you know, uh, and I heard songs on the radio at that time, like early, like late 50s, and there was something about that instrument that, that uh, caught my ear. and. I finally talked my parents into getting me a, 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 an acoustic guitar or any kind of guitar and I, I played it for a while and then I kind of put it away and around and then the Beatles came out and they were playing guitars and I remember that I had you know fooled around on that and I kind of pulled it out of the closet and started playing it and that was the first time I really really started like matching up this, uh, this this sound, I remember some of the early songs of uh, 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 shit, um, Ike and Tina Turner and uh, Roy Orbison on the radio and Elvis and uh, so then as the Beatles started to gain momentum in the states, it became more about this band thing, you know. And I always felt like an outcast, and I always never fit in school and you know I would go to the high school dances and there was a local band that was pretty good you know and that was the first time I saw like a live rock and roll and I would stand by the side of the stage and watch these guys play and that kind of like you know was they I'm sure I mean that was like right around the first English invasion you know and so I kind of like followed it around and then a couple of friends of mine get together and, and play uh, uh, Beatles songs, bird songs, that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't know, kind of a little folky, but there was a lot of music out there that just didn't hit me in the gut the way some songs did. And I figured out that it was like the hard rock that, that, that really captured me, you know. And uh, I loved Dylan and I loved all that, but it was really like the hard rock. And then. Uh, when that first invasion kind of died away and you know you were left with Jerry and the Pacemakers and, and that that bunch and these new bands that were coming over um, 
like this band called the Yardbirds, had a sound like I'd never heard before. They had guitars that sounded like nothing I'd ever heard before. Uh, the Stones were pushing the edge, you know, uh, with distorted guitars and and uh, uh, kind of outgrowing that pop thing. And so that that was and and you know like that was an, a big influence on me. And then I started getting old enough to to go out on my own. In fact, I saw the Dave Clark Five, which was the very last of the first invasion, and it was uh, fascinating, but again, the guitar thing was not like the, they weren't, they, weren't, they just had great pop songs and all that stuff, but it was really like when, uh, when I started going into town and seeing like the Who and uh, Jeff Beck group, playing live and you know that was back when they had to stand on the guitar player side of the stage actually hear the guitar you know and it was like I was, by then I was working in a factory and the next day I decided I got to get myself a Les Paul but uh, I had a friend who was like in that band I mentioned in high school and um, he was I took some guitar lessons from him and I can remember him showing me this uh, catalog Fender catalog and I remember it was like $295 for a Stratocaster, which was an astronomical amount of money for my age, you know. But that's, those guitars are probably worth anywhere from thirty dollars to $60,000 now, you know. And if I had listened to them, you know, not that I had the money, but, you know, anyway. So anyway, that was it. I mean, and, uh, but when I saw Jeff, Live and also I got a chance to see uh, Mick Taylor play with the uh, with uh, with uh, John Mayall and he was playing a Les Paul and SG and slide guitar and that's when I got turned on to slide guitar as well. But the main thing is is I started looking underneath the songs and seeing who's writing these things. You know, obviously the Beatles they they and and. Keith and Mick, you know, had the market cornered on, on like writing their own stuff, but there were all these blues guys who had their names on them. Who's Willie Dixon? Who's Muddy Waters? Who's this, you know? And luckily I had a friend who had a record collection and he was at, at school and he was bringing those back, you know? And so I got turned on to those records really early. And in the, in the mid to late 60s, there were a lot of a lot of bands coming through, and the opening act was like Howlin' Wolf or Muddy Waters or Buddy Guy, and uh, so I, I got a, a taste for the blues pretty quick on, you know, and I, and I saw the relationship between that and the the hard rock that the English bands were bringing over, which was basically like holding a mirror up to America, going, "This is your music. You want to hear what we can do with it?" And it was a it was a an amazing time to see these guys not only playing this kind of music and like kind of feeding back all this incredible American folk music, but playing it through guitars that nobody ever heard sounds like that before. The guitar that we know of today didn't exist in 1940. It's a brand new instrument as far as things go. I mean, saxophones were around in the 1910. Um, guitars like were played in the power, um, little acoustic guitars, piano's been around in some form or another for a long time. Uh, 
But that, the, the loud electric guitars, that was, they were inventing that shit as the music was coming out. I mean, it went out from, from, uh, I mean, that was, that's why it was so fascinating to hear these guys experimenting, like, again, Jeff Beck and then Jimmy Page and Eric Clapton, like, making these things sound like a 10-piece orchestra, you know, and being able to carry it around. I mean, the guitar's like, I mean, it's a polyphonic instrument. There aren't many of those that where you can actually play chords and get all the, and kind of get the same kind of sound that you can get with a piano, but also play melodies. And uh, so it was a, it was a, it was an instrument with, un, you know, the horizons were huge, you know, for it. I mean, arguably, the music that was coming off the stage in, um, in, in the arenas, which was, that was new in itself, but there was as much music going on there as like a 110-piece orchestra. And so it was a really amazing time to see it develop like that. Of course, back then, I, I didn't appreciate it the way I look at it, look back at it now, but, but that was the, that was basically it, you know? And, uh, you know, and, and taking guitars that were based, based on the Spanish guitar shape and guys building these wild-shaped guitars and, you know, there was a lot of experimentation going on. It was a really, really fascinating time to come up as a musician. I, it was an odd thing because I would spend every summer up in New Hampshire and I met Tom Hamilton and we had a band every summer and uh, with uh, a drummer named Pudge Scott and we would play around and play at parties and play at the play at the local clubs. And then in the winter, when I'd go back to, back home uh, to Oakdale where I grew up, uh, I had I had different bands. That I mean, I remember one itineration had had a girl lead singer on keyboards. Um, then, but the final band that I had was called Flash, and we had a uh, a cat playing a B3. And uh, I remember we used to lug everything in my mother's station wagon and everything from the front seat back was filled with equipment. And all four of us would ride in the front seat. So one guy had to sit under the dashboard and we'd drive off with a trailer. We'd have to drive off to like uh, do frat houses and shit like that. Then Tom and I had one summer where we played and we said, we're going to Boston, we're gonna form a band. And that's when uh, Stephen, was, he was actually thinking of quitting the business at that point. You know, he's a couple of years older, and we talked, and he said, and I actually, you know, I wanted him to be in the band because he's such a great drummer. And I'd seen him in singing, singing and playing drums, or just, just singing, and he said, I'm just tired of fucking around with drums because they break all the time. I mean, everything's held together with gaffer's tape, wire, and that shit, I'm tired of fooling around with drums, so I'd really like to like be, you know, just just sing, you know, and play harmonica. And I said, all right, well, we got we just auditioned this guy Joey Kramer down in, in Boston, so you know, we, we, whatever, you know. And uh, um, so anyway, to this day, he's still one of the one of the most interesting drummers I know, if you could only practice, but you know. He covers it pretty well with his voice, but um, yeah. So I, I had a bunch of little, you know, bands and played, you know, the town hall and that kind of thing, and, and 
that that summer we went back and uh, said, okay, we're going to Boston. It's the nearest big town. It's arguably a college town, in spite of what they said in um, Spinal Tap. Um, and so it proved to be a great place for us to, to bring a band up. Alice, who was, you know, like, I mean, talk about a pioneer. I mean, bringing the, having all those great songs, but still, but really doing performance art, you know, and he was really something. And the thing is, you know, he was just a, a couple years before us, but he went right from Phoenix. As soon as the band made it, they went right to L.A. So he got a chance to, to hang out with the Who and Hendrix and all these cats that, that we missed out on by, you know, being up in Boston. But um, it's great to hear the stories. And they had this thing called the, Vamp the Hollywood Vampires Drinking Club. And Harry Nielsen and John Lennon and uh, Keith Moon, they were all part of this, this drinking club that used to hang out the rainbow. And uh, um, by the time we made it out there, the, the, that scene had kind of fallen apart. But um, that's why we ended up doing this thing called the Hollywood Vampires, which were going out on the road in, what, a month and uh, playing in Europe. And it's a uh, kind of a tribute band to a lot of the people that have died, but we're starting to get a sound and it's, uh, we just have a, we just cut a new record. And uh, we're really excited about that. And uh, it's a real like non-pressure thing. We're out there doing, doing it for the fun of it. If you can, not that we're not doing any of this stuff for the fun of it, but um, just the personalities just mesh so well. You know, with Johnny being in the band, who's an amazing guitar player, and and Tommy Hendrickson and, and Alice, and Alice is one of the best rock singers out there. You can't, you, you know, when he plays with the Vampires, he kind of sheds the. The, the Alice Cooper thing and improves himself to be a fucking great rock singer and you know he's, I've known him for 35 years now and we're finally working together and it's, it's great so it goes around man. <laughs>